welcome to Deeper, a podcast by Wollongong Baptist Church. Join us as we take the plunge and dive deeper into God's Word, the Bible. Here, we'll unpack and examine further the Bible talks presented on Sundays across our three English-speaking services. Today, we'll be thinking through more from our latest instalment in our series, Exalt, as we consider what it looks like to live a life of worship. So, let's get right into it and dive deeper. Welcome back to another episode of Deeper. My name is Grace Jones. Thanks for tuning in once again as we continue on our way through our series, Exalt, Living a Life of Worship. Uh, Last Sunday, Ken Davies preached for us, looking this time at the topic of prayer, and he joins me now. Welcome, Ken. Thank you for having me back again. It's good to have you back, and thanks so much for your talk on Sunday. Can you just give us a quick recap of what you actually spoke about? Yeah, um, so the passage was Matthew 6, 5 to 15, um, looking at from the perspective of prayer being worship, but going over a very familiar passage, often called the Lord's Prayer, um, not even really talking about the uh, stuff that comes just before that, uh, but defining what prayer is, that it's talking to God. Uh, in our case, it's very often asking for things from God. Mm-hmm. And so really trying to think through, well, how can that be worship if it's me talking to God about what I can get? Yeah. Um, do I have to change what I'm praying for in order for it to be worship? Mm. Uh, so bringing together those whole ideas of God's awesomeness, um, you would think his unapproachability, but actually the picture that's presented over and over through the Bible is that he's the one who wants us to come to him as his children. Mm. Uh, and so that being kind of the, the foundations. Three points. Uh, prayer exalts God in our hearts by clarifying the truth about God and us. Really showing that reality that as we pray, we can actually choose to try and make ourselves the great ones, that God's our servant and he's doing what we request. Or it can be about recognizing that God is great and awesome uh, and we're coming to him, uh, acknowledging our humbleness, uh, recognizing that we're sinful, a whole bunch of things that that should be a part of our prayers. Um, The second point then being prayer exalts God in our hearts and our hands by recognizing our dependence upon God. Uh, And so coming to him with our day-by-day requests Uh, is not actually just being pesky or using God, (laughs) Mm. but it's actually the way that he wants us to relate to him, that he's the one that is the source of everything that we need. And so by going to him, that actually exalts him. It recognizes him as the source of all all that we uh, need for life. Mm, So it's an an expression of our dependence on him. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, And if we're not dependent upon him, because we're not, we show that by not praying, mm. um, then that's exalting ourselves. So not praying is actually um, a, a lack of giving glory to God for who He is, mm. which is a pretty, um, it's a big deal <laughs> for yeah. those of us who maybe have a struggle with our pr- uh, prayer life or have been a bit slack with it. Yeah, that it's um, it's a big deal to not be praying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I said that in a number of places through the sermon that in, in many senses, prayer is a self-diagnosis, uh, a test that we can apply to ourselves. Don't apply it to others and say, oh, they're not doing this. Mm-hmm. But it's really good for us to think through ourselves and ask the question, have I become reliant on my self mm. to get these things that I need? Or am I still reliant on God? Do I think that I'm the most important person in the world? 
or does my prayers reflect that actually I think God's the most important? Mm. So using it as that kind of analysis, mm. uh, what are we praying about or are we praying at all mm. uh, to actually just check ourselves? Mm. No, that's really helpful. Um, one of the questions from our home group this week was helpful too in thinking about um, what our prayer life kind of indicates about our relationship to God and um, yeah, the nature of our relationship with Him. We were sort of spending some time comparing the the prayers, the Christian prayers, compared to the prayers that mm. somebody from a different religion prays. Mm-hmm. And um, the yeah, just um, not just the um, the ritual or the mm-hmm. repetitiveness of some of the other prayers, but just being able to pray from a place of assurance. Yeah, how different that is to yep. be praying to a God that you aren't sure of your relationship with, or you're um, not sure of your own salvation in front of. Um, yes, it was it was good to reflect on being able to approach such a holy God, but yeah. from a place of such confidence as yeah. his child, as somebody who has been bought at a price. Yep. Um, that was really helpful in our discussion earlier in the week. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. It, it really does change what prayer is from being a, a procedure or a technique or trying to get something for us into that whole this is an expression of a relationship mm. that's existing um, and as I do it it continues to work on that relationship mm. yeah that was really helpful um, I do have a couple of questions mm. for you though about prayer as we sort of try to figure out um, a little bit more about it and wrestle with some of the realities of our own experiences with prayer yep. um, and so the first question that I have for you um, in the Bible it often says that whatever we ask it'll be given to us um, does that mean that what we pray and how we pray actually influences God, um, even though he's the one who's all-powerful and all-knowing? So I guess my question is, like, do my prayers actually do something? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question Big because question. Uh, logically, and I mentioned this in the sermon, logically it seems, well, God's in control. He already knows everything, so why bother? Mm-hmm. Um, like he's got a plan. Yeah, he's already got a plan if we're... Yeah. If we're down that end of the theological spectrum that says that he's got everything already predestined, then mm-hmm. um, there's nothing that I can do to influence that. Um, I'm not sure that influence is the right word to use, mm-hmm. um, but I would I'd say absolutely, yes, our prayers contribute to what happens. Um, the consistent picture throughout Scripture is that uh, God expects his people to pray um, and as they pray, he somehow incorporates their praying into his plans. Mm. Um, now, I don't know how that works. Mm. Um, My mind's just like ticking going, wow, this is <laughs> yeah. a lot to try and but, understand. But it, but it is the consistent picture. Like um, you look in Exodus and, and uh, it talks about that Pharaoh f- hardens his heart, but then there's there's this stuff going on about how they're praying into this situation, um, and and it's it's very clear that something is taking place as as they speak to God. Uh, Nineveh is a great example. Uh, Jonah goes there, and it's it's declared that the place is going to get wiped out, but as they pray in repentance. Then God relents, or He repents. He, does He change His mind? Mm. Did He was He going to do one thing, but now it's changed because they prayed, or was it always His intention that as Jonah went there and finally humbled himself and did what He was told, yeah. that they would respond to it? And God always knew that that was going to be the case. So it's not a matter of something changed in what the outcome was, but the prayers of the people were needed in order for it to take place. Um, so I guess it's confusing, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is really confusing, and so I think we 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 want to work out the mechanics of how it works. 
Um, and probably the motivation behind that is so I can do the minimal prayers that I can, <laughs> that I need to. Um, I yeah, think what we've got to be, yeah, efficiency. What we've really got to be careful of is not assuming that our prayers somehow manipulate God, mm. twist his arm. Uh, if I say it the right way, um, that it's almost like a magical incantation that mm. something has to come out of this. Mm. Um, and so I just... Because yeah. when we do that, we... Uh, flipping our understanding of actually who has the power here yeah and and so i think that this this idea of thinking about prayer through the the grid of worship is a really helpful um a really helpful tool to help us stop and reflect and think oh yeah when i'm praying it's not about me getting what i want Mm -hmm. it's about god being glorified Mm -hmm. and so as people pray and he does things in response to that it's not about them getting what they want it's actually about his plan being fulfilled Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, Don, Don Carson's book, again, I, I made mention of it, uh, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. He has a really, really helpful chapter in that about uh, maintaining God's sovereignty and also our responsibility. Mm. And so, again, not going into the mechanics of how it works, but giving even more examples of how this is the biblical presentation that God is in control. And yet prayer does Uh, it's not wasted. It's not as if we're just going through the motions and God's already got his plan regardless of what we ask for. Um, How it works out is a mystery, um, but it's very, very clear that God uh, has given us an incredible opportunity to talk to him and he he uses that. Yeah. I was just thinking as you were talking that that is a remarkable thing, not only to have direct access to the God of the universe, but to be invited into a conversation with him and for him to privilege us by actually getting to have say anything into his ear and that it might um, in any way influence, not influence, we've just said not to use that word, but that it would shape outcomes at all. That's incredible. Yeah. It's It's the person in the war effort that's not even a soldier getting the ear of the great commander and saying, hey, what, what about we do this? Yeah. And he actually takes it into account. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a helpful analogy. Um, yeah, how cool. I think when we kind of remember that too, this, for me anyway, it kind of compels you to want to pray. Why would you not take advantage of that position of privilege? Yeah, I, I hope that is the case, that it takes prayer out of the obligation category, mm. that I've got to have this uh, this thing that I do day by day and I've ticked off, oh yeah, I've said my prayers for yeah. today. Like as if God is some high maintenance friend that you have to yeah. you know, check yeah. in with all the time. He's so needy. Yeah. 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 But instead we actually are privileged to be able to this is with him. Incredible opportunity. Yeah. Um well how do I know if my prayers are actually being heard by God and they're not just, you know, bouncing off the ceiling? Yeah. Um I, you could say from experience, well, there's examples of answered prayer. I can look at a miracle that's taken place. Um, and I, and I, don't know, I don't want to discount those and say they're unimportant, but I think that the best answer is, uh, it's quoted in the prayer guide. Uh, if you've looked at that on the website, uh, in the resources section, um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 15, God says that he'll listen to our prayers. Mm. Um and so, it, again, it's got to do with the faithfulness of God. He, he doesn't lie. And if he's told us something, uh, then he will do it. Um, and so I think that behind this question is the idea that, but yeah, I pray and 
I'm, I've, I've asked for something and I'm not sure that it was that important or I've asked for something and I don't see the answer coming and so God hasn't heard me because I don't see an immediate response mm, and I'm expecting yeah. this. I've said something, okay, when I talk to a friend and I ask them to help me move, well, if they're not there on Saturday, they either didn't hurt, hear me or they're not my friend. Yeah. Um, so what's going on here with God when I talk to him, sometimes over and over? Um, I think with 1 John five fifteen, if you also look at the verse just before it, it also clarifies that while there are promises that God hears our prayers and will respond to them, it's not a it's there's there's not a direct relationship between I ask for something and therefore God must do it. Mm, um, yeah. There's an element of us uh, praying in line with God's will. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an element of uh, understanding that sometimes we don't see everything that's going on and so we can pray about things and make suggestions uh, and God takes it under consideration and says, yeah, no, sorry, (laughs) we're not going to do that. We're going to do something else. Um, And so I think we've just got to be really careful from taking, okay, prayer is only effective when I get the answer that I've asked for to I'm having a conversation with the one who's in control of all things. And so as he hears uh, what I ask for, uh, what I pray about, some things he's going to grant, some things he's going to say, we'll keep praying about that. And other things he's just going to give us an outright no. Yeah. Um, and so it's not it's not heard because we get the answer we want. It's heard because God promises that he'll hear. Mm. Comforting to know too, though, that whatever the outcome is, that that is the right call. God is good. Yeah. He makes the right call. Yeah, yeah, which is really helpful because then we can, we can in some sense, that gives us freedom to pray anything mm-hmm. um, and know that he'll filter out the bad ones <laughs> and just take the ones that were worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if he gives us what we've granted, it's because he's going to, yeah, you know, work in that yeah. somehow. Yeah, And it's probably even better than what we, the reason that we were asking for it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we've sort of started to talk about this a little bit, but what about when God says no to my prayers? Mm. But from my point of view, like the prayer was so godly. It mm. was so in line with what I would have thought was God's will. Mm-hmm. What do we do there where we just not seeing yeses, where we really think that there should be? Mm-hmm. Um, like perhaps, for example, we've been um, praying for the salvation of a particular loved one. Yep. Um, that's a, that is a good prayer to yeah. pray um, some people may have been praying that prayer for somebody for years, decades even, yep. and there seems to be no movement uh-huh. happening there. Like, what do we do with prayers like that that just don't seem to be getting the answers that we think that they should? Yeah, yeah. And and even sometimes it's not just, it's a good prayer. It's It seems to be in line with what Scripture says. Yeah. Uh, God wants the, desires the salvation of everybody. Well, well I've prayed for it. Well, where is it? Yeah. Um, I, I think we've just got to be aware in all of this that, again, as I said, uh, part of part of what praying is, is a recognition that we're the ones that are not in control. As we pray, each time we pray about something, it's, it's acknowledging that reality that, you, God, you are the one that's in control. I'm not. And so I bring this before you. Um, and some prayers just take time. Um, I th- the classic example for me is 1 Kings 18, uh, Elijah, uh, he's up on Mount Carmel and he's got all the prophets of Baal there um, and they're screaming out to God, to their God Baal, they're cutting themselves in order for this sacrifice to take place and nothing happens and, and Elijah taunts them, oh maybe maybe he's gone to the toilet or maybe he's out <laughs> travelling 
uh, just scream a bit louder um, and nothing happens and then Elijah prays and bang this fire from the sky falls and and not only takes the sacrifice but the whole altar is just burnt up um, traumatic but, yeah it's, it's this incredible like it's like prayer is instantaneous the yeah. answer is there and it's spectacular yeah. What, what happens immediately after that is then Elijah has to go away and pray for rain to come because there's been no rain in the land. Um, and it says that he prays and then he sends his servant to go and look if something's happened and there's nothing. And then he prays again and goes away and there's nothing. He goes away and it's the seventh time that he prays before there's a cloud the size of a man's hand rising. And it's like... Well, you've just had this incredible event take yeah. place as a result of your prayers. Why is this one taken seven times? Mm. And then in the very next chapter, uh, he runs away terrified uh, because he's going to be killed by uh, this queen. Um, God's able to send fire from the sky and take up altars. Like, what are you worried about? And, and so I think it just shows the, the humanity of what's going on in prayer. Um, prayer is not, okay, if I say this the right way, then it's going to happen straight away. Mm-hmm. Or if I get the right prayer on this, then God's going to do it. Um, it's very much hands off. Okay, I ask God in this situation for him to do this. And he chooses what he does. And sometimes that will be immediate and spectacular. Uh, Sometimes it will take prolonged prayer. Um, Sometimes God's just waiting to answer or will answer in a different way to what we anticipate. Um, And and so it's it's not to dismiss the... I've been praying something that's good and there seems to be a biblical uh, reason why it's right. Uh, We've been praying for family members, yeah, for decades uh, and in some cases seen very, very little response to it. Um, And and I think that it it should encourage us to say, uh, I need to keep recognizing that this is still outside of my control. Um, uh, Maybe this is encouraging me to stop and reflect have i really thought about the seriousness of what's going on uh, with my loved one um and, and am, am i pleading w- with god for their salvation um does it does it change the way in the things that i talk with them about when we do get together mm. uh, and so maybe that that pouring your ha- heart out in prayer to god on an ongoing basis actually does something in us that changes how we'll then interact with them when we are meeting with them and talking about something. Mm-hmm. Um, so why God does things the way he does, I think f- this side of heaven is probably always going to be quite hidden. Um, but clearly the the, uh, the message of scripture over and over is uh, don't allow the lack of change to cause you to stop praying. Keep praying. If anything, pray more. Mm. Yeah. Um. Well, often I'll download in detail um, the concerns of my heart to a a friend um, and then we'll pray. Um, But by the time we kind of get to actually talking to God about the situation, I find that I'm exhausted. This could have been an hour or two of discussion with a friend. Um, And then we we turn and go, okay, now we need to talk to God about it. And the prayers are so short and disenchanted and all of the emotional energy processing whatever mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. has gone into the conversation with my friend and there's basically nothing left yeah. now when, as I turn to God. Yep. Um, I guess my, my question is like, should we be sharing things with God first before we seek um, the counsel or the wisdom or I don't know, just the immediate feedback mm-hmm. from, from an, a friend? Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I guess sometimes we are we're wanting an audible response in a yeah. moment, and so we turn to a human being. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, are we shortchanging ourselves in our prayer life if yeah. all of our mental and emotional energy is going into talking with a friend rather than talking to God? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great question, and, and I think a common experience of many people, um, whether it's just meeting up with a friend or in a home group, we'll have a massive discussion about a topic, <laughs> Sharing the prayer points. and then we'll have 30 seconds of prayer yeah. at the end. Yeah. Um, I think it is a common experience. Um, one thing that I did once with a group was that, that we recognized that we were doing this, and, and we were... We were sh- we were shoving prayer in at the end, mm. um, and so we actually changed the 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 tone of the conversation so that we actually started our time together in prayer, recognizing that we were in God's presence, and as we were speaking about things, uh, He was very much there and aware of the conversations, knowing what we were talking about already, and this wasn't just us talking. Uh, on a on a horizontal plane, but as we were talking, we were expecting the vertical interaction as well. Yeah. Um, and so, in some sense, we kind of then, after we'd had the big conversation, we then uh, saw the end as a kind of a brief summary. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing had been prayer. Um, I think wow. one of the indications that that's kind of okay is in in the Bible, um, Job and his three friends they have this massive conversation, um, and Certainly initially, it's very horizontal. It's just friends talking to Job or even at Job, Job responding to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we see increasingly as you go through the cycles is more and more, uh, particularly for Job, his his thoughts are triggered by his friends uh, and he interacts with things that they've said, but a lot of it is directed towards God. Um, And so even in our conversations with friends, We've got to recognize that God can use that as his means of us working through stuff. So I I don't think that we should stop and say, okay, I've got to have prayed through this and resolved it before I meet with my friend to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God providing a godly friend to have it be the shoulder to cry on is actually exactly what we need. Mm -hmm. And as we express it, put into words, um, the things that we're feeling in our heart, it actually can be. Um, the beginning of the the birth of that prayer that needs to be said mm-hmm. to God, and as we're saying it to our friend, we're starting to realize, ah, oh, that's what I'm really feeling now. And so now that I've 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 recognized that, I can express that truth to God rather than just talking generally about a situation with an unknown response. So, so I'd say it's a both end. Mm-hmm. Don't don't so. Um, jam-pack your time with your friend that you end up just relying on the friend Mm -hmm. as if the two of you together because there's more heads you'll solve the problem Um, so somehow recognize in your conversations that this is done with a dependence upon God Mm -hmm. um, but also make the time for there to be um, the more normal way of praying um, so that you are praying into the situations not just talking about them Mm, that's really helpful I'm just trying to like, yeah, I've, I've never consciously kind of done this thing of being mm. very aware of like both the horizontal communication, but mm. also the vertical. Mm. So when you were with that group, mm. can you like tell me a little bit more about what you actually did in s- setting the tone of being yeah, like, we're yeah. not just talking amongst ourselves right now. Like yeah, yeah. we are communing with God as we are talking to each other, as yeah. we're talking to like. There's a. I feel like we are so good at putting up a barrier between those, like yeah, drawing yeah. the lines of like I'm talking to you right now, Ken. I'm yep. not talking to God, and now I'm talking to God. Yeah. Like, 
what did it actually what did you actually do yeah, yeah. to dissolve that barrier uh, I, I don't know that we ever really dissolved it, but we, we were conscious that as we started, we would pray um, and, and just say to God, um, like, it's so great that we're able to meet here together, knowing that you're here, uh, hearing all the things that we're talking about, you know, what's in our hearts and, and what's even kept hidden from the other guys in the room here. Um, but we're asking that as we have these conversations that you'd, you'd even guide them, um, that you'd direct us to be able to, to interact with what people are saying. Um, and partway through, sometimes that would then mean we would, we would stop talking to one another and actually say, oh God, that's so cool that you've enabled us to understand this aspect of mm. it. Um, please help us to put that into action. And then we'd continue talking with one yeah, another. Right. And yeah. so there was almost like, he's the partner in the conversation mm. as this talk where we're audibly hearing one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a real consciousness that, that God was there in the other parts of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. Um, well, so sorry, going back to your mm. talk, mm. felt like a good chunk of it, maybe half of it, was talking about forgiveness. Yeah. Um, there seemed to be quite an emphasis on that, which maybe at first glance seems kind of random when we're talking about prayer. Why are we now talking about forgiveness? Yeah. Can you just um, help us understand why um, the talk went in such a direct, like that direction yeah. so heavily? Yep. Um, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why are we talking about forgiveness? <laughs> um, it may have been just a Freudian slip, and that was the thing that I was being challenged by. Um, in reality, I think that one of the uh, one of the things that we've got to recognise in the Bible is that um, different amounts of space are given to different topics, mm-hmm. um, and obviously going into the, the the Lord's Prayer or Jesus' example prayer, whatever you want to call it. Um, is just recognizing that the amount of verses that are given to various aspects are different. Mm. And so although theologically we might want to think, okay, well, the most important thing here is uh, God's holiness being recognized, his greatness. And so our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's 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 stop there and yeah. dwell there for a while because yeah. that's the really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is, and it's not to dismiss it, but the reality that Jesus points out by how much time he gives to it is that this forgiveness thing is actually super important. So four verses are given to a whole bunch of stuff and then four verses are given to just this one topic. Yeah, right. uh, and so he's prioritized it that way. And so that was part of the reason for the emphasis. I think the other thing is is we've used this question a number of times in the series um, how is exalting God in our heart and our hands? I think in many ways, most of us are pretty good at the heart thing, thinking through, uh, why am I doing this? Uh, what am I doing? But actually giving it legs, actually this actually changing some actions mm. um, is a lot harder for mm. us to do. And I think that prayer in particular is something that we so much associate with. This is between me and God. This is a private thing. Mm -hmm. This is, okay, yeah, we do it congregationally, uh, but hopefully that's some kind of an overflow from the ongoing conversation between me and my father. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's it's almost a purely theoretical thing. Um, So long as you know what you're doing as you're praying, okay, well, everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus pulls us up and says, no, that's not good enough. Um, and he says it in incredibly strong language that if you don't forgive, then you won't be forgiven. Yeah. 
And, and I just recoil oh, from that yeah. because it sounds to me like, hang on a second, Jesus, you're not allowed to say that because salvation is based upon grace. And now you're saying that it's grace plus my willingness to forgive somebody yeah. else. And I'm sorry, you've just gone too far. Yeah, yeah. I think um, heaps of people who feel like that. Yeah, and it, and it just, it, but he, he says it and he, he says it both from the positive and then from the negative. Uh, and clearly we haven't misunderstood him. Um, there is an incredibly um, significant thing going on. Um, and, and, and I don't want to introduce this idea that if you haven't forgiven somebody, well, therefore God's holding something back and you've still got a cross against your name. Um, but the reality is, is the consequence that should be coming out from us being forgiven and for us really dwelling on that and understanding the forgiveness that we've been given is that we will forgive others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, not a, it's not an optional extra. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, if you're really, really good at this, then you'll go that next step of forgiving people. Um, this, this just goes together. They're, they're hand in hand. That my comprehension of and true experience of the gospel has to manifest itself in forgiveness of others. Yeah, yeah. It, it must. It, it, they just, if it's not there, again, this comes back to this whole self-diagnosis. If it's not there, it's not just an issue of obedience. It's actually a, an issue of uh, I haven't understood the gospel. Mm. The fact that I'm not forgiving says that even though I can repeat it and I can summarize it and I can present it in different ways, mm-hmm. the gospel hasn't reached somewhere deep down inside of me yeah, wow. because there's it's, it's a, even with your understanding of it, your acceptance of it, your belief in it, it's still not bringing about a change that's a necessary change. And mm-hmm. so and so keep praying, keep mm-hmm. reflecting, yeah. keep asking God to do something because I, I'm not going to be able to generate this from within myself. Oh, yeah. now I've understood that it's necessary. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be reflecting on the grace we've received, mm-hmm. reflecting on the, the, the incredible mercy that's been given to us, mm-hmm. uh, which will be the only thing that can motivate us to forgive others. Mm-hmm. Um, well, some people listening to this will be thinking of a specific person, a specific scenario, a specific hurt. Yeah. Um, does my forgiveness of someone's wrongs against me mean that I endorse their actions? Um, is forgiving someone the same as saying that what they did is okay? Um, can something remain not okay but be forgiven? Yes, it can be in answer to the very last question. Um, is is forgiveness endorsement? Absolutely not. Um, and and again, the, the the clearest example of this is the cross. As we're forgiven our sins, God's not changing his mind about the wickedness of sin. He's saying that sin needs to be punished. Uh, and as it's punished, it's forgiven. Um and so endorsement means that I approve of, that I agree with, that I, I line myself up with it and say that it was the good thing to do. But God's not like that at all. He's still continuing to condemn sin, but he does that in order to forgive. Um, and so I think it's, it's an absolute necessity for us to recognize that we can forgive somebody for something that they've done against us. And that's not some kind of approval that what they did was okay. Mm. Uh, it's very not the, the very fact that we need to forgive it 
continues to say that there was something intrinsically wrong with what was done. Uh, and so forgiveness is not a changing our mind on it. Right. It's actually choosing to respond to something in a different way um, because uh, we recognize even though something bad's been done to us, we're not going to hold the person ongoingly responsible for the consequences of that. Mm. Yeah, and it's not because we've chosen to just arbitrarily. It's because a price has already been paid for us. The only way that I think that we can actually truly forgive somebody is to recognize that I don't just wipe it off and say, okay, okay, that's done with. I recognize that the price for that wrong was actually paid for by Jesus. And that's the only, that's the only price that's capable of dealing with the, the true badness of what was done. Um. So when uh, people throw around the phrase forgive and forget, yeah. is that biblical? Um, th- there's a biblical element to it. I, it. It talks about God forgetting our sins. Mm. Um, I think from a human perspective, I think we've got to be really careful with it um, because it can lead to dangerous applications of forgiveness. Uh, I, I think domestic violence is a great example um, where if a Christian is the um, is the victim of domestic violence, there seems to be from here, I, I wouldn't say seems to be, there is an obligation here for the person to be forgiving the perpetrator. But I would actually say that it's stupid for somebody who's the victim of domestic violence to put themselves in an ongoing situation where they're likely to be hurt again. Yeah. And so I, so the person who is the victim of domestic violence can forgive somebody but they still need to recognize that that person still has a problem. Mm-hmm. And so the safe thing to, to do is very possibly still leaving that relationship or getting to a safe place. And, and so there's not a, okay, because they're forgiven, I'll treat that person as if they've never done wrong. Right. That's just foolishness. Yeah. Um, you've got to take things into account as you forgive. And so change the way that you interact with the person um, but don't give them a clean slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think God's forgiveness is on a different level again because he does give us the clean slate uh, and, and he, he treats us as if we had never sinned. Mm-hmm. But that's not just because he's, he's uh, ignoring the truth about us, uh, but he knows that he's actually in the process of changing us and he, he gives us Jesus' righteousness and, and that then starts to bring about a, a genuine change uh, in who we are. And so in some sense, he can forgive us because he knows where the ending of that will be, mm-hmm. um, which I think is very different to our situations where we might be in a situation where it's actually... Um, We are forgiving, but we're also being wise as we remove ourselves from a a difficult situation. And and it's not just domestic violence. That could be a a particular friendship that's really toxic or um, taking ourselves off Facebook because we know that if we stay there that that it'll be a problem for us. We'll say things or type things that that won't be helpful for others and and we'll end up putting ourselves in a place where we sin um, just because we haven't thought clearly about it. Oh, come on, Ken. I feel like it's taken like a really like heavy, t- um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. We got somewhere kind of deep and meaningful there, which was great. But I don't yeah. know how to segue us out of that now into back into our week, except to say that um, if through all of this conversation about prayer and stuff, you're feeling um, convicted that you want to be able to pray to God, that he is our father, our loving father. He is um, the sovereign 
good judge of the world mm-hmm. that he f- offers us forgiveness and will help us to forgive others um yeah if you're wanting to uh pray mm. then um we obviously encourage you to do that mm-hmm. we have released a prayer guide this week um if you're sort of feeling stuck about i don't know what to talk about or uh, you know where yeah. to go with this yep. um 14 days a different topic each day uh, with lots of prompts and things to help you and uh, bits of scripture to point you to as well so uh, we encourage you to download that and uh, give that a go if you are um yeah kind of unsure about how to how to get going Um, but thank you so much for your time and for all your wisdom today ken no worries at all my pleasure you have been listening to deeper by wollongong baptist church we'd love you to join us at any of our services this coming sunday for details and to hear further content please head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org